this is Lisa Bonos. Welcome to Soloish, a Washington Post podcast about being unmarried but far from alone. Today, I have a very special guest in the studio here, Philippa Hughes. Hello. Hi. Um, Philippa is a 46-year-old writer in Washington who I met recently at a meetup on DC on the DC dating scene, although I don't think you were there for that specific reason. No, I was there with another friend, and you guys happened to be standing there like, whoa, this so, is exactly what I like to talk about all the time. <laughs> so basically, a conversation about being single in Washington is happening, and of course, you're just, you happen to be there because you gravitate toward that sort of thing. Yeah, right? I think that's right. And we caught up recently over drinks and just sort of mm-hmm. hit it off. And I learned that you are about to spend two months on your own in Italy. If I make it that long. Oh, my gosh. Although, um, I mean, it, it could be two months. It could be three months. I don't know. Wow. Um, so I've never done this before, but I bought a one-way ticket because I decided that just psychologically, I am not coming back until I finish, finish this project that I'm working on. And what are you working on? And I'm, I'm writing a book. And I've written lots of bits and pieces of mm-hmm. it, but I've just been having such a hard time pulling it all together. And a lot of it is just because I don't, I mean, I just don't give, my, give myself enough sort of blocked out time, like yeah. big blocks of time to really focus on it. So this is what, oh, and I'm going to stay in a house that doesn't have internets. Wow. And it barely has um, a cell reception. Like you have to like stand on the third floor and wave your you know phone at the window. Yeah. And, so, like, so I'm you're really going, to, going hardcore. You're going to be as alone as alone as you could possibly be. As alone as I have ever been. Yeah. Okay. You know, maybe I could be even more alone. Yeah. But I this is as much alone as I've ever been in my whole life. So, are you nervous about that at all? I mean, I had a huge anxiety attack that lasted like two weeks recently. Oh wow. And I just thought, like, what? Like, what am I doing? Like, why am I doing this to myself? Why am I doing this to myself? And also, like, what is wrong with me that I have to, like, go away? Like, why can't I just do this mm-hmm. here? Why can't you do it here? Well, I, I'm, I'm just giving you all my little justifications yeah. and rationales. But I mean, your apartment's pretty awesome. Yep. I mean, I love it. my place. I love my friends. I, I love all of this stuff. And that's part of the problem. Yeah. I got over my long bout of anxiety about this because I basically realized like I have I've been wanting to finish this thing for so long like the importance of finishing this so super supersedes my need for extroversion yeah that I just was like I've got to suck it up however I do have a plan because I know I'm gonna like I'm gonna be lonely I just know it and where like I want to get to the plan in a minute, yes. but w- set the scene for us. Where are you going to, going to be in Italy? Oh, yes. Um, okay. It's this remote village in Tuscany called Pieve Santo Stefano. Nobody ever goes there. And mm-hmm. what I really – that's one reason why I like it because it's a little bit off the beaten path of mm-hmm. where, like, the tourist zones mm-hmm. are, like Florence and Siena. So, like, I probably won't run into a lot of Americans yeah. or people to hang out with. Yeah. You could still make um, Italian friends. I mean, that would be. Oh, I would go definitely. to a village and make friends with everyone, and then nothing well, would get done, right? I'm sure I will walk down to town every day and have gelato and be like pals with everybody. You know? Once you've written your 1,200 words exactly. for the day or something, do you, do you have think it a... should be 1,200? I was thinking 1,000 a day. I had a writing professor in college who her thing was four hours or 1,200 okay. words. Okay. Whichever comes first. I, that's well. That's. I was going to give myself six hours and do one thousand words. <laughs> I think you can do more than that right. in six hours. But she also said 
whatever your vice is, um, to whether that's red wine, mm-hmm. chocolate, marijuana. This is this is a <laughs> university in California, so you know, we're right, right. With. Um, to whenever you finished writing a page, you could have oh, like indulge. a bit of that vice, all right, to keep you going. So I'm um, sure there'll be plenty like- of wine in Italy. Plenty of wine. In fact, the friend whose house I'm staying in, yeah. um, the very generous friend who's letting me stay there for free, wow. she drew me this amazing map that's like, here's how, you know, here's where the square is, here's where the market is, yeah. and most importantly, here's the wine store, the gelato store, and the pizza place. <laughs> that's all you need, right? That's all you really need. <laughs> um, so I think you know, one thing that's interesting to me about this trip that you're taking is that I think, you know... People who aren't single might just think of, of a single person like Philippa, like, oh, you would have, you don't have a family, you mm-hmm. don't have kids, um, constantly distracting you in your daily life. Why would you need to take off thousand miles away, thousands of miles away to get some work done? Well, I mean, part of it is because I've built such um, like a really deep and solid community of people that mm-hmm. are like my family, yeah, and it's real, and they're really important to me, like the connection, those connect, like like emotional connections are mm-hmm. really strong. So, you know, I have a handful of friends that if they, anytime they call, like yeah. I will do whatever yeah. they ask me to do. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think I'm almost like kind of a collector of people more than anything. Like some people collect matchbox cards yeah. or baseball cards. I mean, I think I'm a real collector of people. I mean, those are more valuable than any baseball absolutely. card. Absolutely. It's more satisfying, yeah. but it takes a lot of emotional and emotional injury and just time yeah. to like keep those relationships strong. And that's just that's really like the most important thing to me. So while you're out there without that support network mm-hmm. around, where are you going where is that support going to come from? You know, okay, so I'm not totally sure. Um I have I got a new phone that works in Italy and it has unlimited texting. Nice. So I've given a handful of people that number. Mm-hmm. You can text me if you're getting lonely. <laughs> okay, I, I will. I might need your well, I might need your writing help, but that's another <laughs> that's something else. But yeah, I mean, I so I figure I'll at least be able to text people okay. or Skype like it's unlimited yeah. texting and data. I yeah. mean, I'll have to get somewhere where I can yeah, actually where you can use, use that it, data. But you know, so I I will have some connection back home t- to some degree. Also, I have decided to reward myself. Um, With like, more, gen- more than gelato and wine? Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those are the daily rewards. Okay. So my thought was like, I would work really hard all week, and then mm-hmm. on the weekends, I could reward myself. If I produced exactly what I said I was going to produce every yeah. day, like a little trip to, like I have a friend in Rome, so I oh, could nice. drive down to Rome and yeah. visit her. Stuff, stuff like that. Yeah. But I'm not going to go unless I have completed uh, my 1,000, possibly 1,200 words a day. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm going to hold you to that. I know. You should text me when you're about to leave town, you and know, I will ask about your output. That would be kind of interesting. Like, I, I mean, it probably would be a good idea to have some accountability yeah. to want, like, somebody else in the world other than myself. Yeah. Hmm. Um, this reminds me also of I was reading Kate Bollock's book on mm-hmm. single women recently, mm-hmm. and when she was working on that book, um, she Similar to us, very extroverted person with lots of friends and dates happening all the time. And a friend of hers, like, put her, uh, I don't know how you would say, basically demanded, like, put her, grounded her. Said, yeah. like, no more dates, no more oh. social engagements until you're <laughs> done with, I don't know, X number of pages or chapters. Yeah. And I think that, were, I think she ended up having to leave town again. Yeah. Um, had, having to leave New York. So, um, 
I wish you luck. Yeah, thank little you. Adventure, and you'll have to come back afterward and tell us how it went. No, well, if, if, if it went well, I'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> so if we don't hear from if you, you don't hear from me, it's, it's not going well. <laughs> or it's just going really well. You're getting so much done, you can't True. come back. They're very possible. <laughs> All right, well, good luck. Thank you. I'm here today with Fenton Johnson, a novelist, memoirist, and writing professor uh, who has written and thought a lot about solitude. Thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. Um, a few months back, uh, you wrote this essay in Harper's Magazine titled Go It Alone on the Dignity and Challenge of Solitude. I was actually reading that while on a train ride from New York to D.C. alone, so it felt appropriate. Um, And I wanted to bring you on today for this episode because we've been talking a lot about the interplay between solitude and creativity. Uh, I just spoke a bit with a woman who spent two months mostly alone in order to get some serious work done. And I was struck by something you wrote in this essay uh, where you said of great American writers and poets such as Zora Neale Hurston, Henry James, Walt Whitman, and, and Emily Dickinson Um, you wrote, I see their solitude enacted in their work. And I'm wondering, how does a writer or artist's solitude shine through in in what they're producing? Well, of course, each of those uh, writers is uh, a very individual case, and Mm -hmm. I'd have to answer the question differently for each one of them. I can say that um, the solitary writer is someone who is almost always working as an observer. Mm -hmm. Um, How I also ask the question, how is it that um, some of our most perceptive um, artists and writers, um, most perceptive on the subject of um, relationship and um, marriage, um, are writers and artists who themselves never married? And I think it's because those writers are um, outsiders. You mm. certainly, in the case of James, Henry James, and Emily Dickinson, um, one perceives those um, how they, and Jane Austen, how they are in every case um, on the edge of, uh, on the margins of uh, the society that they observe so carefully, and it is because. They are not immersed in its workings, but rather observing their workings, that they are um, able to so accurately and um, vividly um, portray it. Uh, with Hurston, Zornel Hurston, she says it in her memoir. Uh, you know, I wanted to conform. I wanted to mm-hmm. do what was expected of me. And every time what this big thing I wanted to do with my life came calling at the door and it was more important to me. Hmm. Uh, and I'm, you know, you and I are the beneficiaries of that. Yeah. Um, reflecting on your own work then, are there certain things that you've learned or realized um, only when sort of in that solitary state? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I have, I, it was in the first grade in this rural, tiny Catholic village that I grew up in, rural Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, the priest, who was an intimidating figure, he was already 70 years old at the time, came in and asked everybody um, what they were going to do when they grew up. Mm-hmm. And everybody, all of my classmates said, 
I'm going to be a nun or a priest because they knew that was what he ex- was expected really? of them. And I said, I'm going to get married. And I knew at that time that the only reason I gave that answer is that it was not acceptable to say, I'm going to be a single person and do what I want to do. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I think that there are some people who really are in some way destined to be um, solitaries. And I think a lot of trouble and woe arises in the world when um, people, women and men, mm-hmm. don't embrace that and instead, you know, continue to try to pursue the ideal of a perfect relationship when they're really people who are absolutely meant for a relationship but meant to relate to the world in a way that is other than the conventional, you know, two cats in the yard and, and yeah. very household. Yeah, I think that trouble then comes in sometimes in how do you determine whether or not you're destined for that kind well, of Well, yeah, exactly. Path. You, by trial and error, and, uh, you, you know, and that's, it is an issue of our age. I'm not the first person to make this observation. Mm-hmm. Um, social media um, is really in some ways problematic for trial and error because in its, it's particularly the ease of anonymity mm-hmm. um, that it provides uh, can really make it easy for people to hurt each other. Um, yeah. Those old forms which we, you know, take such delight in, in mocking because they were about largely about protecting the old order and protecting power and whatever. But they were also designed under the assumption anybody who reads Jane Austen figures this out. They were designed under the knowledge that the heart is a tender thing and should be a tender thing. And part of the forms existed for the purposes of protecting the heart while we figured out these um, devices, um, these destinies. Having said that, you know, it really is true that it's better to be a single person, a solitary person. It's not great today, yeah, but it's yeah. better than it's been because the place of um, solitary women in particular, of course, mm-hmm. word, our word spinster comes from yeah. spinning because that's one of the few ways a woman who was alone could make her living. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they were really in a... Um, it could be in a very difficult circumstance. Well, thanks for coming on today and talking a little bit with us. She's back. I'm here today with Philippa Hughes. Hi. Hi. I'm back. She, um, we recorded a bit, Philippa, before you left to go to Italy. And that was... What, remind us, when did you leave? I left it at the end of April. Okay. And I was going to stay an indeterminate amount of time. Yeah, how long did you end up staying? I stayed nine weeks. Okay. But I actually had um, a thought that I might stay the whole summer. Okay. Um, but something brought me back. Ooh. Or brought- someone. <laughs> <laughs> Who or what was it? <laughs> um, well... So earlier this year, I met this fellow that yeah. I kind of like. Yeah. And then he came and visited me in Italy. That's great. And then we had such a good time. And, like, I just was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I think I actually like this person. And I came back a little bit earlier than I thought I might. Okay. Yeah. How did you? How did the work go? What did you get done? The work was great. Um, so I was very productive, Lisa. <laughs> 
<laughs> I believe you. I just saw a lot of Facebook updates. And I think you had said before when you were here the first time that you were going to have a lot of Internet access. Right. That's right. So there was no cell phone reception or Wi-Fi at the house where I was okay. staying. It was like at the bottom of this valley yeah. on a farm. But um, so if I walked up, I discovered I could walk up to the top of this hill okay. and get cell reception up there. <laughs> and so how often did you go on that detour? Well, so I just sort of justified the walk up there every day as my walk, like my exercise walk, because I was eating pasta every day and gelato and so I walked up to the top of this hill. Sounds like a nice break. Twice a day. Okay. That's not so bad. I mean, how many times are we on Facebook? Well, so that's sort of the thing. Yeah. Like, I'm, I, you know, I might have, it might have seemed like I was posting a lot, but like normally I'd be on Facebook a all lot day. more. Yeah. yeah. Like all day long, yeah. you know, just scrolling through things. But yeah. I couldn't really scroll because the reception was not that good. Oh, okay. So I, anyway, I don't think I was on it as much as you think I okay. was. You were just active about the same amount, but pa- the passive. Yes. The Social Passive media stuff I didn't was see. Very small. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, I feel like I have to justify my actions. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. No. Um, what but, sort of like writing goals did you set out before well, you Well, so, left? you know, I've never done anything like this. I've never gone on one of those writer's retreats mm-hmm. or anything. So I just really didn't have any idea what to expect. Yeah. But I thought, okay, I'm at least going to try to write a certain number of words per day. Yeah. I think we sort of quibbled over this. I thought maybe a thousand per day was okay. reasonable. Yeah. I think you suggested. <laughs> Air quotes, twelve hundred. <laughs> um, so I, I did stick. To I mean, kind of, th- that's a good, that's a great productive range. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I certainly don't write that twelve hundred um, words every day. It's a lot harder than it sounds for people who don't yeah. write every yeah. day. It's a lot harder than it sounds. Um, so I kind of was like, if I got to a thousand, I was pretty yeah. happy. Yeah. And most days I would hit it. Um, every once in a while, I like I had a couple days. I think I even emailed you once when I hit three thousand. I was so excited! Like, Amazing. So I was like, "Oh, I can take the next two days off." <laughs> <laughs> um, and then just and there are definitely days when I wrote zero. So yeah. I did try to make up for it on other days. Were you editing too, or no? I actually okay. tried really hard not to do that kind of writing where you yeah. edit while you write. Yeah, you know, because that slows it down. Yeah. So you also talked about sort of rewarding yourself with trips out of town when you were productive and that that way you could balance your um, just very outgoing nature and like get that. um, And this is actually an essay at some point I really want to write. It's like, you know, to be an extroverted person in a situation where, I mean, I was completely by myself. Like there was nobody to talk to. Was it? Nobody. (laughs) (laughs) So how was that? Was what? It was hard. Yeah. At first, it was really, really hard. But then, like as I sort of settled into it, mm-hmm. I like. I mean, I, I'm, I'm still kind of, kind of processing everything that happened. But it's kind of hokey. But like, I really learned a lot about myself. Like when what you're did just you learn? by yourself, yeah, and you just inside your head that much. Which, yeah, you know, we don't in our lives. We don't have time for that usually. Like, there's too much noise in yeah. our lives. So, what did you learn? I mean, one thing that I learned was that I've actually. I've actually had a lot of practice being by myself in the past. Mm-hmm. And so even as a relatively extroverted person, I have had long stretches of alone time. Um, like I was thinking about, you know, when I was a little girl, um, I, our, my dad, brother, and I lived in the middle of Alaska. Wow, I didn't know In a know little that. tiny town called Glen Allen. Yeah. Um, that's a, it's a village in yeah. literally the middle of Alaska. And we lived in a wilderness 
And I remember being, like, my brother was my only playmate. And yeah. he was, like, my dorky brother. So, of course, I didn't <laughs> play with him. So I read a lot. Mm. So I became a voracious reader, I think, from that point on, from, yeah. like, being six years old and alone. And do you think being that voracious reader at six by yourself has anything to do with being a writer totally. at 46? Absolutely. Like, just wanting to tell stories yeah. and loving good stories. Yeah. And then, of course, Joe March from Little Women was, like, mm-hmm. my idol, and she was a writer. Yeah. So definitely influenced me. So anyway, and I, so but I started thinking about other times when I've been alone. I'm like, you know, like, I know how to do this. You do. I just, yeah. and in fact, I know how to do it so well that I wish I did it more because I mm-hmm. got so much out of it. Yeah. Um, were there parts that were not as hard as you thought they would might be? Um, you know, I, I, I actually didn't think, I didn't go in fearful of anything uh-huh. other than the possibility of, like, going crazy from being alone. <laughs> um, and then I realized that wasn't a problem. Yeah. Because I just love, like, anytime I can travel somewhere, I'm yeah. so happy that, yeah. like, no matter what goes wrong, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. And, you know, and you mentioned, like, I would t- give myself these little rewards by mm-hmm. visiting a little town every mm-hmm. three or four days. And, mm-hmm. like, I'd always find, like, like an amazing meal. And I'd walk around this ancient town. And, like, how bad can that possibly no. be? No, it sounds <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Um, I so- found the Prada outlet. sounds like you weren't all that isolated i know i really wasn't i really wasn't so then what was it like when your friend your fella came to visit it was awesome i drove to the airport in rome and picked him up you know like i actually Mm -hmm. parked the car and went in yeah that you know usually you're like just come out to the curb and i'll pick you up you know (laughs) (laughs) so that would be like cute if i came in yeah it was awesome. It was actually, I mean, I didn't, again, I didn't think it was it was going to be bad. Yeah. But, you How know. long had it been since you had seen A month. Him? Okay. Yeah. But we had been in really, we, we were in contact, like, every day. So that was good. Like, okay. That was really good. But, like, it was, we were, it was just so easy to travel together. Yeah. Where'd you guys go? And we went to Florence for a couple of days, and then a couple of days in an agriturismo outside of Siena. Wow. And then in, we went to Orvieto. It's this beautiful city. And you know what's awesome is that we realize we have very similar travel style mm-hmm. in that, like, I don't necessarily want to hit every church and museum, you know, and check, check all the boxes. Yeah. Like, I'll do one thing a day. And then I want to, like, eat a really great meal and drink some wine and then walk around and look for gelato. I mean, like, in Italy, that sounds like what you're yeah, supposed to do, right? That's, yeah. But you know how people are, like, oh, we've got to see this and this and this. Very like, oh, That's exhausting. Like, I can't I, – I, I get exhausted by that kind of travel. Yeah. Was this the first time you guys traveled together? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, I know. So now we're going to – now we're already planning another trip. Like, we're actually going to fly on the plane together. So that's a whole <laughs> other level of stress. Yeah. Possible stress. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anything else you might tell travelers who would be worried about traveling? Alone. I was talking to a friend recently who he was going to have a couple days in Europe in between things. And he, I was like, well, just go somewhere by yourself. And yeah. He's like, well, what would I do? I just think that it's such an opportunity to be by yourself yeah. and like yeah. you should relish it. Yeah. No, I love it. But yeah. If there are people out there who are kind of apprehensive about doing it, what would you say? Well, you know, I think that the fe- I, the fear is that somehow you're going to be – I think it's like because you're afraid that people are going to look at you funny or something, mm-hmm. right? I don't – I I guess. Well, um, I read an – I thought – maybe we were talking about this article where it's like people who go to restaurants alone and they think everybody's looking at them. Yeah. Like 
somebody did some, you know, little survey and found that, like, nope, like, people will look up and see there's a certain, there's somebody by themselves and then forget about you. Like, we all think everybody's looking at us and nobody really cares about us. Yeah, I mean, it's probably just a function of not having anyone else to focus on because you're right so then you're looking around being more aware that you're by yourself but it's like but nobody else they're all looking at their partners and companions yeah (laughs) they're not paying attention to you so don't worry about it (laughs) bring Um, a book (laughs) (laughs) bring a book good suggestion um well thanks for coming in today and good luck with the rest of it pleasure thank you we can keep the conversation going on Twitter, as always. You can tweet your comments to at Lisa Bonos, and we'll catch you next time. Bye.